What's going on everyone? It's your host for Falmakashevsky for another edition of the podcast and the thing that I've been doing and filming this and putting on YouTube and everyone's been watching, which has been super cool. So shout out to all my YouTube subscribers and people who just watch my videos and don't subscribe. You know, just throwing out up there. But anyway, um, if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, please, please, please do so by either hitting the show notes if you're listening to this or if you are watching this, um, just hitting the subscribe button wherever it is on your phone, laptop, whatever it is. But um, it's been super cool to see a lot of people enjoy my video stuff because a lot of my uh, latest um, podcasts have been a lot more movement-based, exercise-based, and all of that. So for today, if you are listening, I'm going to try to do as much as possible by describing the movements because we're just like, uh, was it last episode? I think it was last episode where we did like the three exercises for, um, to improve hip mobility. And then someone asked me what about shoulders? So today's topic is we're going to do three exercises that will improve shoulder mobility. And you're gonna need a couple pieces of equipment and I'm going to explain um, why our shoulders are so vital when it comes to um, movement. So first and foremost, if you have a painful shoulder, go fucking see somebody. That's like rule number one. But for some reason in the gym community, it's like, oh, my shoulder hurts or this hurts. I'm just gonna wait it out and see if it gets better. And then a couple weeks go by, they're like, "Mm, it's a little bit better, so I'm just gonna not address this at all. And then a couple months down the road, it's like, okay, shit, my shoulder really fucking hurts. I really need to go see somebody. So if you have pain, go see somebody. Number two, um, when it comes to shoulder mobility, there's a lot that influences it, but we're gonna kind of look at the most common kind of themes that I see um, in clinic and with my clients. So number one is going to be T-spine mobility. If your thoracic spine, which is this guy up here, kind of where your collarbone is down to where, kind of where your diaphragm is, that's your T-spine. If that does not move well, your shoulders are going to move terribly. So your T-spine is, a section of your body that should be super mobile, but in our day and age, especially now that a lot of businesses and jobs have turned into working from home. So previously a lot of people have been sitting at their desks, but now we're at home where we're sitting like in bed and on our couch and it's just a lot worse. So our T-spine mobility definitely suffers and then other joints or other segments in our body tend to take the grunt of the work, AKA your shoulder and your low back. Hence why a lot of times when you um, kind of evaluate the patients that you see in a clinic setting, it's usually sore neck, sore shoulder, sore low back, sore hips. One of those four, I think I just listed. But if we can get our T-spine moving Um, more effectively, especially when it comes to extension and also rotation, both left and right, then things start to move better at the shoulder. So the analogy I give, and I'm going to move this camera a little bit lower so you can see, if I am a typical person where I have my shoulders here because I'm doing this all day, 
and then I go to the gym in this posture and I try to lift my arms up, this is usually all I can get to. Like, this does not feel good. And our bodies are really good at cheating movements. So what happens is um, our body will give us fake range of motion to um, kind of allow you to say do a shoulder press because that's usually what happens. So say as I am lifting, well in that posture, I'm lifting my arms up, can't get there, body goes, let me give you more extension through your lumbar spine and now you can press. And you can already see like my chest is super flared up and you see this a lot. Like you might even notice it yourself in the gym when you are pressing overhead, especially when you get into like um, the last couple reps, if you are doing 12, eight, whatever it is, and you're starting to fatigue, the rib flare starts to happen to give you more overhead mobility, but in a sense, you want this to come down in order to stay neutral and kind of stacked and be more in a joint-centrated position. That being said, um, the first thing that we're going to look at for developing more um, T-spine mobility is, I'm probably gonna go over, this video is gonna have a lot of stuff, I just realized, but three exercises for T-spine mobility, and then we're gonna do two more things for the shoulder specifically, and a couple more things for the shoulder. So really this um, title of this video is gonna be like three exercises to improve your shoulder mobility, but really it's gonna be like nine or 10 or even 12. But um, what we're gonna do first is three T-spine mobility, um, exercises that one should be done on a daily basis or at least every time you do a warm-up and I think that's another topic I'm going to cover soon is that how to actually create a well you know thought out pur purposeful warm-up because most people don't warm up long enough and most people just like fucking do random shit and end up going onto the bench press and doing some other stupid shit. So we're gonna look at the topic of probably a, a well-designed warm-up um, maybe next week. But first three exercises that need to be done on a daily basis um, for better thoracic mobility. The first one is a T-spine extension. So as I take this down, hopefully I get a good angle of the ground. And it's funny enough that I'm doing this because um, I recently had someone, I think on my Instagram, reach out about um, the thoracic extension exercise. So for this one, you essentially need just a foam roller. And the reason why I like the thoracic extension exercise is that because we are in such, you know, rounded positions all day, it just naturally will feel good to be in a an extended position. But again, there's a couple uh, caveats to that because kind of what I was talking about earlier with um, our rib cage kind of flaring, you'll see what I mean with this. So with thoracic extension, one, I'm placing the roller in the middle of my back and not my low back. Couple reasons why. We're trying to target our thoracic spine and not our lumbar spine. So that's number one. Number two, you don't have any ribs supporting your uh, lumbar spine, so you end up just placing the freaking roller on your kidneys 
and that doesn't feel good. So that being said, find kind of the middle position of your thoracic spine with your roller. And before you even start going into extension, what I want you to do is having your hands behind your head to support your neck, because it takes a lot of neck stability to actually just hold it here. And after a while, it's gonna fatigue pretty quickly. So hands are behind the head. I'm gonna take a deep breath in. I'm gonna exhale. And as I exhale, you'll notice that my rib cage naturally just falls down. I always cue that with any of my clients or patients to find a neutral position with their ribs. From there, I tell them, try to keep that position. And what we're going to do is slowly extend back with the spine, making sure my ribs don't overly arch and I'm not going through my low back. So trying to keep this neutral, I'm going to extend back and then come forward like a mini crunch. I'm going to do this a couple times. And then from there, I'm going to roll up a little bit. What you'll notice right away is when we get up a little bit higher, it's going to feel a lot easier to extend back. Because again, right over here, right at the beginning section of your uh, rib cage, there's not a lot of musculature and it's kind of at that tipping point where it's going to feel like it's too much. So as we get higher and we have more tissue to support our uh, weight, it's going to feel a little bit easier. So same cue again, deep breath in, exhale, let the ribs fall support the neck and then we're extending and then going forward back and forth from there one more time i like to do three sections so again we're here same idea extend and then come forward extend and come forward now from here there's two other variations so again everyone's a little bit different i have my hips on the ground to do this another variation is if i have a wall in front of me, I can place my feet on top of the wall. In this position, I naturally have a tilt on my pelvis to ensure that my lumbar spine isn't going to extension to cheat um, into what looks like thoracic extension. So that being said, um, that's one way of doing it. The other way of doing it too that sometimes works a little bit better is having the hips up into extension and then going into an extension pattern. Because at least now, my hips are somewhat in line with my lumbar spine, and now I'm just hinging at my thoracic spine. So, you have a couple options there. Sometimes, and I'll throw, like again, I knew this was gonna happen, I'm gonna throw in a lot of exercises, but sometimes, because everyone's a little bit different, because um, I believe the question I had on Instagram regarding my thoracic extension was due to um, asking if uh, it would be a good idea to do this after a motor vehicle accident. So in my experience from the clinic, people in car accident uh, scenarios are usually pretty beat up pretty bad. So something like this could actually be a good idea in theory, but in practice work out terribly. So how do you get thoracic extension in a less aggressive way. So one way I'll do it is doing a simple cat-cow um, exercise. So literally you're on your hands and knees and you're just going through the cat-cow motion to get both flexion and extension through the spine. So something a little bit low end, it doesn't require a lot of stability through the neck. And again, if you're a person who's been in a car accident your neck has like literally gone through 
the ringer so you want to play it safe like i always tell new coaches that you want to play along the rules of risk over reward like is the risk worth um you know putting your client or patient through a possibility of injuring themselves just because the exercise looks cool or whatever it is or is there something else that can achieve the same outcome that's a little bit on the lower end when it comes to um, safety that being said we've um, covered extension and now we need to cover rotation there are a couple ways of doing this and the first one that like literally falls into my brain is uh, an exercise called the open book so there's so many different t-spine rotational exercises out there but the particular reason why i always fall into the open book is because it is a passive like exercise where gravity does its job or as um something active you're limited with your active range of motion whereas in this case you have a little bit more of a passive feel to it so again you're gonna use your foam roller and hopefully you guys can see I'm gonna be lying down on my left side my rollers in front of me my top leg is going to go on top of the roller so in this position I'm gonna try to go on a 45 I'm here I'm gonna have my left hand drive down onto the knee this knee is not never going to come off the roller and if it does i'm going to be cheating in the sense that i'm using lumbar rotation to make up for the lack of t-spine rotation so this knee is going to be glued to the roller as hard as possible and i always tell people to actively push down to create tension to purposefully have this down your other hand is going to reach for as far as possible so i'm already rotating forward and previously when i used to coach the open book i would just start here and then open up but i've been adding this forward rotation and sometimes i can get a a little pop or crack through the t-spine just doing this and then from here deep breath in i'm going to exhale and open up across the body and there's a couple things here you can either have your hand come straight across but i also like bending it because a lot of times again this is from a clinical um standpoint is a lot of times when people have t-spine limitations their traps and neck are super super tight so doing this what usually happens so imagine i am rotating across my body and i can't get my shoulder all the way down to the ground what ends up happening is this position and a lot of times when people have a tight t-spine their neck is also kind of jammed up so this motion like already right now my fingers are starting to get a little tingly and what i'm doing is just placing a lot of stress on my brachial plexus which is a series of nerves kind of bundled uh together that run from the neck down into the arm so that's why i like going into this bent position so as i rotate i kind of bend and look in that direction and if you want to be like more sport specific if you are a golfer this is the top of your swing and as you know, many golfers or any kind of rotational athlete needs T-spine rotation, especially in the golf swing. When you get to your top position, like that is exactly what we're doing here. So open books are a huge, huge, huge component of how I um, help my clients and patients uh, improve their T-spine mobility. 
the next thing is going to be an active component when it comes to um, T-spine rotation. And one of the ones that I really, really enjoy that I feel like I might have actually invented because I haven't seen it within the, uh, oh, I changed the color on my, my thingy here. Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like I might have actually coined this one myself because I have not seen this in the FRC slash Stretch community uh, just yet. So I came up with this concept um, teaching the T-spine cars. And the reason why I have not put T-spine cars in this video is one that it takes a lot of, I want to say prerequisites, but almost having a better body awareness of what the hell you're doing with your top spine because everyone moves their spine in one like motion they don't know how to differentiate between this and this so in order to get this right what i like to do is go in into a tall kneeling position my knees are wider than my hips and it's on purpose so in a wider position i'm going to be able to eliminate lumbar movement as much as possible. I have my toes tucked under and digging into the ground and I'm squeezing my glute as hard as possible to get into more hip extension. I'm taking my little yoga block here and kind of giving it a bear hug. And with my fingertips, as you can see, I'm pulling it across to create tension. From here, I'm taking a deep breath in and on the exhale, I'm gonna rotate to one side. As I'm rotating, I'm squeezing glutes on both sides as hard as possible and digging my toes into the ground. And as I get to my end range, I actually feel a nice stretch through my hip flexor, literally almost like from the insertion down into my hip. Um, sorry, from the origin into the insertion as I'm rotating. So if we all know, a lot of low back pain comes from tight ass hip flexors. So I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone as I'm working actively for my T-spine rotation. I'm also stretching out my hip flexor. And I'm just going back and forth, nice and slow, getting that T-spine move. So those three are my kind of go-tos or what I think of when it comes to kind of like a priority list um, in creating functional, I have to use that in air quotes, um, T-spine mobility. Now, the next two that we're gonna get into is for shoulder external rotation and internal rotation, and we're gonna do some pails and rails in this. So if you remember from my other video, we we're talking about this whole concept of pails and rails, where we're creating an external load by using um, an isometric contraction to influence tissue change, to give it information that I'm trying to create more freedom of motion and more control in these end ranges that I have. And I need to improve my end range in order to better my mobility. And in this case, it's the shoulder. So one thing I'll say is that it's really difficult and maybe I haven't like explored this enough to create a T-spine rotation or extension exercise with a pails and rails component and I feel like there's almost a little too much um, variables to kind of get it right um, I know in the FRC community there's been a couple instructors who've tried it and when I played around with it it just it doesn't feel right like usually your arms will kind of get numb and um, you know it just 
it doesn't work the greatest, but there are certain muscles that you can influence um, that can give you more thoracic extension. Um, but for the sake of this video, I'm not gonna go down that whole rabbit hole because I can probably talk about it for another 30 minutes, but we're already at 20 minutes right now and I wanna keep this to 30. So if you have any more questions about T-spine specifically, message me and I will go down that rabbit hole with you. So now we're gonna go into pails and rails for shoulder mobility, especially external rotation, internal rotation. So that being said, if you look at external rotation of the shoulder, so I'm gonna take my shoulder into abduction and external rotation. When I get to my end range, what happens is I arch to fake um, external rotation. So we're gonna take your shoulder into your end range and do pails and rails there. So that being said, you're gonna need a dowel, broomstick, swiffer, whatever you have, but it has to be strong enough where um, you can do a little force into it. So I'm gonna be in a half kneeling position. I have my right knee down. In this case, my floor is way too hard for my knee, so I'm just gonna use a yoga block to make it a little bit, um, or do a little softer on the knee. So with the dowel, I'm going to have it on my side and I'm gonna place my hand around it and kind of swoop it around. So now I have my shoulder in abduction and external rotation, but I don't feel a stretch yet. So how I do that, I take the dowel and drive it forward. And now you can see my hand is more further behind me into external rotation. If I still don't feel it, I can go a little bit further. And I think around there is where I feel pretty good stretch kind of like in the back of my shoulder and wrapped around the front. The biggest mistake I see is when people do this, they have their shoulder too far forward and they're like, I don't feel it. You need your shoulder out to the side like you're doing a dumbbell um, overhead press with a dumbbell. I just said dumbbell twice, but anyway, holding this position for two minutes, just like before when we did our hips. At the top of the two minutes, we're gonna do something called a pales contraction, where I'm gonna take my hand and push it into the dowel as hard as possible without the dowel moving forward. So I'm going to pinpoint the dowel where it is in that position, because that's my end range, and I'm driving my hand forward into the dowel. The big difference with our shoulders um, compared to our hips is that this is a smaller, I wouldn't say a smaller joint, but it has smaller muscles surrounding the joint. So compared to our hips where we have some pretty big players when it comes to um, doing pails and rails, you can like really give her. Whereas I find with shoulders, if I like go as hard as possible right off the bat, it's not gonna feel good on my shoulder. So that being said, I'm gonna slowly push, kind of putting my foot on the gas pedal. So when I get to that 10th second, that's where I'm kind of going as hard as possible. So after 10 seconds, you'll notice that you've communicated to your nervous system and you could probably go a little bit further. And then from this position, I'm gonna do my rails contraction where I'm gonna think of driving my wrist down to the ground off the dowel. If I'm actually at my end range, my hand, my wrist is not coming off the dowel. If I cheated and just stayed here the whole time, yeah, no problem, I can get my hand back there. So you need to get to a position where it's physically impossible to get your hand off it, but you're still activating all that stuff back there to, um, what's it called, to uh, influence all the musculature that requires for shoulder external rotation. Now, 
from there, we're gonna work on internal rotation for pails and rails. And then I'm gonna throw some more exercises at you. Internal rotation, we're gonna have to bring this down. All right, so in this position, this is the kind of like the old school sleeper stretch. So I'm going to start by lying down. We are going to have my left shoulder bent at 90. I'm gonna take my right hand onto my left wrist and I'm gonna push it down into internal rotation. The only way for you to cheat on this is if one, you have already a really good mobility or you like end up pushing your hand out this way because that doesn't do anything. But if I go right at 90 degrees with my arm and go down straight into a line, now I feel uh, a stretch in my left shoulder. Again, holding for two minutes. In this position, my neck already doesn't feel good, so I can use that yoga block that I had and use that as a little pillow. As I'm holding, I'm breathing every exhale. I'm trying to like get deeper into the stretch. At that two minute mark, I'm gonna show this with a fist and my right hand straight out so you can have a better visual. When I am pressing down, for my pales contraction, I'm gonna further press down as hard as possible, and then with my left hand that's in the fist, I'm gonna fight it to create that isometric contraction. After 10 seconds, you'll notice that you'll be able to go a little bit further, and then from here, without pushing with my right hand that's straight out, I'm gonna take my hand where my fist is and try to push it down actively off that hand to kind of create that regressive angular um, isometric contraction for shoulder internal rotation. So now that we have um, all that new required range, the biggest component of pails and rails is that you've opened up new lines of tissue, um, you turned off that emergency brake of your nervous system and you now need to challenge that new range to keep it. So one of the two best ways of doing that is doing uh, shoulder cars and scapular cars. So shoulder cars in general, there's so many different variations, but the one that I like to use that I have a bigger, um, just a more What's the word more success with is going two arms at the same time. So in my Kim stretch class, I like doing it in a seated position because there's less chance of hip movement and things like that. And you can do this literally in like a butterfly stretch and a bear pose, a deep squat position if you really want to challenge yourself. But for the sake of this video and the um, difficulty where everyone can start is just in a seated position. And while you're here, It'll be nice and tall. So you're gonna start with both hands, with fists in front, kind of just hanging out on the top of your shins. We're gonna come up as high as possible to shoulder flexion. And from here, in your end range, you're gonna start rotating your fists inwards. As I'm doing that, I'm trying to get behind me with my arms as far back as possible and I'm still rotating. So if you look at my right wrist that I'm moving right now, I'm constantly rotating, rotating into internal rotation, which we just did until I have my hands down onto the ground. I know you can't see it, but my hands are literally just on the ground into internal rotation. And then I'm gonna come back and I'm still internal rotating. I'm now externally rotating, just like we did before with the dowel, until I come back all the way forward and down. So again, I'm just coming up, 
rotate, rotate. And if you notice how slow I'm going, this is the pace that you need to do. Because a lot of times when people go too fast, your brain and nervous system can't remember that movement. But now if I go slow, I have more time to kind of dissect the um, movement that I'm asking for my body to remember. Now with the shoulder car, it's kind of one of those exercises that covers all bases. It covers all the movement patterns that your shoulder can do. And after doing pails and rails, that's like literally one of the best things that you can do. Um, there's so many other shoulder mobility exercises you can throw in there, but those um, like shoulder cars and specifically is one of the best to kind of create a foundation. And then you can get really specific because say you're an individual that, limits shoulder flexion so bringing it in front and that's all you can go you can do pails and rails into that position as well it's just learning the specific nature of what your case is and then applying it and that's where you know my coaching comes into play when i have people come to the clinic or into the gym that hired out me specifically to help them with their injury post-op whatever it is I will do a thorough assessment to figure out exactly what they need to be working on. And then I implement it in their program and like, boom, six months down the road, they're like, I don't have shoulder pain and I'm pressing overhead. Awesome. Sweet. We crushed it. Anyway, the next thing is now scapular cars. I find that a lot of people have no idea how to interdependently move their scapulas than like moving their entire shoulder together. And when that scap can't move, glide, and everything like that um, properly, then that glenohumeral joint within your shoulder is not going to function properly. And then you have like a clusterfuck of stuff happening, and no wonder you have shoulder pain. So step one is doing scapular push-ups. So the biggest thing that I see with scapular push-ups, if I'm in a quadruped position, I don't understand why people go into a push-up position to do this when they have no business being there. So everyone should start in a quadrupedal position. So from here, you're gonna squeeze the shoulder blades together and then push them away. The biggest mistake I see people do is even before they move, they do this. They're in this low back arch position and then they're trying to do this, right? You need to find neutral first and then go back and forth. The other issue that I see a lot is people's elbows bending and as they're trying to go down because they don't know how to retract their scapulas um, properly. From there, what I like to do is create scapular circles where you're actually putting your scapula through all the different motions that it can go through. So in that same position, you're gonna think of drawing circles with your shoulders. Again, biggest mistake people do is as they're trying to draw that circle, they're pushing their hips back because they have no idea how to actually do this, right? This should be a natural position for your shoulder blades to go through, but because people don't know how to move their shoulder blades, other parts of their body kind of make up for it. Now, after you do a couple of these, you need to challenge yourself and go in the opposite direction. Same idea, when people try to go in that opposite direction where you're driving your shoulders forward, they end up moving their whole body to compensate. I see this over and over and over again in my classes that I teach for um, Kim Stretch. And, you know, these people, when I chat with them after class, they'll have experiences with shoulder pain. And I'm like, if your shoulder blade can't move, then it can't glide on your T-spine properly and now your glenohumeral joint can't go above the head. So that was a lot. 
Um, definitely lied about the whole title of three exercises are gonna improve your shoulder mobility. It was a lot. So we had three T-spine uh, mobility exercises. We had pails and rails for shoulder external rotation, pails and rails for internal rotation. We had shoulder cars and then we had scapular cars. So we had seven exercises today. How you can implement these. You can put them in your warm up. You can do them daily as like a movement routine or you can throw them literally in your workout. So I've created programs where if someone's goal was really to get, you know, better shoulder mobility, better whatever it is, say you do a heavy set of deadlifts, I can go into pails and rails on one shoulder, do another set of heavy deadlifts, do it on the left side, do another set of heavy deadlifts, now do seated shoulder cars, now you already had three sets, right? And you're implementing all your homework that's going to make your body move better. So a lot of different options. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, do it now so you can see uh, more videos. And if you are listening, hit the show notes, watch the video, subscribe, add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram, and give me a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to my podcast. That's it for me. Until next time, you guys, thank you. Thank you. I love you guys.